Hello, welcome to the Read Pod. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please subscribe to us via iTunes and you can check us out at thereadpod.com. Thanks for listening. Good morning, listeners, and good morning, Bendos. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Oh, he's brought it. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. Love it. We've got him up early in Japan, and he has brought the fire. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I was up at six. I was excited. Nice, nice. So, uh, exciting pod today. Yeah, a bit of reminiscing, really. And a bit of a, a throwback. Yeah, and sort of prompted by our goat discussions from last week with, um, you know, about Kelly Slater and all of that and how we got onto the topic of Mike Stewart. So, yeah. So, yeah, so today we're going to do sort of an unofficial history of bodyboarding. Uh, before we jump into that, though, we're going to do, uh, we're going to start with just having a brief chat about the Lion Air um, plane crash without, obviously, it's a tragic event, but I did want to get your thoughts on it because obviously both of us travel quite a bit. And um, I just wanted to start there before we jump into the, the full history of bodyboarding. Yeah, well, You've heard my thoughts about flying. You know I don't really like flying, and this is another example of it. Uh, so it's from my understanding, and this is what kind of scares me more, this was a new plane. Mm, a new Boeing. Yeah. Like three months old. Um, and do they know what the – I guess the, I've, I've seen that they've – uh, recovered the black box, but have they released any information on what the reasoning for the crash was? They haven't. They've just recovered the black box. And um, for those that don't know, so it was JT610, uh, a Lion Air, which Lion Air, you be safe to say it's a discount airline. An LCC, um, low-cost carrier. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And uh, they've crashed into the, nav- uh, into the Java Sea. And um, 189 people um, were on the plane at the time, I believe. Okay, where was the flight from and going to? Um, that is a great question. Out of, uh, out of Jakarta or? I know it's crashed into the waters in Indonesia, so I'm guessing it's um, left Jakarta. Um, I'm not sure where it was going, which is a fairly basic. <laughs> Don't worry, we're, we're not about facts. You know that. We're well, a zero fact check. So it was going from Jakarta to to the other island, and, to somewhere. Yeah, in Indonesia, and yes, Boeing seven three seven Max eight. So what's that Max eight? Is that just it's one of their new? It's a very and very new model, energy efficient model of the plane. Okay. Um. This, we don't know the reason, right? But let's just say that <clears throat> it has something to do with cost cutting, right? So let's yeah. let's just assume that it potentially has to do with cost cutting or maintenance or something else like that. Um, it's a concerning trend with the with an industry that's so competitive, like aviation, with all these cost cutting airlines. 
Yes. That, that they're trying to save money everywhere they can. Yeah. I guess when you have a price war on something like this, it's well, it's great for the consumer, but at the end of the day, you don't want to. You'd rather pay money for your safety. What's an extra few hundred dollars for for making sure that your your plane's fully operational, a hundred percent? Exactly, mate. I was actually going to get resident aviation expert, uh, Reed Pod aviation expert, Cam on to have a chat about this because I've had a couple of near misses when I used to fly and um, he's I'm sure he's had a few uh, close calls and all of my near misses were due to uh, dodgy and not sort of not not thorough enough um, maintenance okay because it's an expensive thing especially for you for you as a hobby hobby thing or were you looking at was the dream to become a pilot the dream was to become a pilot yeah. but um obviously i started to realize that i'm going to be away from home if i'm a pilot and then i realized i don't like leaving my house and you're a raging alcoholic there's a oh, few, few things yeah. <laughs> so um yeah i just i don't think it was i don't think it was something that was gonna suit my yeah, my future plans. Yeah. So one thing, I would never fly with you. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why, but no. But I, I remember Cam um, asking me at one point. He goes, "Oh yeah, um, he was gonna when he was in Australia, and he was gonna fly." And I think he said, "Oh, come on there." I like I I trust you guys, but f- small planes scare the shit out of me. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, well, I. I had a near miss where my um, I was 400 feet off the deck on takeoff and the propeller started windmilling. <sighs> so I basically stalled. Yeah. So, and that's when you're at this slower speed. Yeah. So I had to put the nose down and hook it onto another runway and land it on an adjacent runway on the grass strip. That's fucking um, crazy. At Archerfield. So that was one of them. And then when I, the crazy thing about it is when I landed, they said, oh, you know, we're not really sure what happened, but we think it was dirty spark plugs. And you're like, well, I don't check the spark plugs in my pre-flight and I don't. So, I mean, shit like that in aviation is, is scary. And then another one's during, uh, due to weather and things like that. Um, yeah, I, I've been on one flight, and it's probably the one flight that really rattled me. And we're flying to—I think we might have been flying to my grandma's funeral, and they were living out in like west, a few hours west of Sydney, in near Bathurst. Mm. And we were leaving Sydney on one of the the smaller, one of the regional express flights. Yeah, and it was bad weather, and then we ha- we ended up having to turn around because of. Uh, a maintenance issue. They couldn't fix the problem there. They had to go back to Sydney to fix it. So it was like, oh, yeah, it's no problem to fly there, but we can't fix it when we get there. It's like, oh, yeah. fuck. But we were just getting thrown around in bad weather. And after yeah. that, it's like, oh. I actually, yeah, I I think I've told you this story is when I was finishing, when I was, I was, like at 150 or 200 hours, I started going for first officer um, jobs. Okay. Sort of 
internships and things like that. And I went for a job with one of those regional airlines. And um, I went out with the chief pilot one day, smashed it and did my interview and had an amazing, um, amazing flight. And uh, I was doing aerobatic stuff in uh, in uh, Cetabria. Yeah. And um, he was really into that and he thought, you know, all the other pilots just came in with their multi-engine sort of skills and I think he respected because he was an old, I think he was an old army pilot or something. But yeah. um, he, the next day he took more interviewees out and he got into a flat spin over Byron Bay and crashed oh. the day after. And the day, like when I finished my interview with him, he said, oh, you've got the job. Um, you know, I've just got to keep doing the process. And he's like, I'm, I look forward to bringing you on. He was a lovely, lovely guy. And the next day he got in a flat spin. So yeah. can, can you explain to everyone else that has no idea what a flat spin is? So it's basically where the plane starts to stall. And usually when the plane stalls, it, a wing will drop and it'll start gaining momentum and speed. Okay. Um, and that will mean like stalls, like there's a system in place where wing drops, you get speed and the plane starts turning to get speed and you pick up speed and you go. A flat spin, and this was a twin engine duchess that went down, is where instead of the wind, the wind dropping and turning to the air, this plane is spinning flat. Yeah. So it's just falling sort of out of the sky. So it's just going around in certain, like if you have a yeah, paper right. aeroplane that's just kind yeah. of going in and around. Okay. Rather than nose down, wing down, turning and cutting through the air to get speed. Yeah. So at, at that point, I was, I think I was like 22 or something. I was like, I'm hanging this shit up. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you were, I guess as well, you were, how old were you when you got married? You were 25? 25. Or, yeah. So it might have been when I was like 23 or 22. Yeah. So you were pretty much, okay, gotcha. So that time of your life, it was like, well, is that risk worth it? Is that risk worth it? And then you think, okay, flying a 737 is like following a bus. I don't mean to – I'm not shitting (laughs) on it, but like you basically go up to a certain height and then you fly it for 12 hours and then you wait at the airport for three hours and then you – do you know what I mean? It's too much waiting around for me. Yeah. what I'm like. Well, that's – what are you doing? You're pretty much – and – Really, how much are the pilots doing these days and how much is actually, like, automatic? Do you tell me? Oh, uh, heaps is automatic. Yeah. Shit low. Yeah. I've actually got this crazy photo of me when I was, uh, which I saw just recently. I might post it. um, Of an, an old 737 cockpit. And like all of it's mechanical, and now you look at seven three seven cockpits, and they're glass. Nice, they're beautiful glass cockpits, and they're like, it's a different. So just, just a touch screen, just a touch screen, mate. So I think, yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what comes from this. I mm. think overall, this industry flying shouldn't be cheap. No, like, avi- like jumping on a plane should not be cheap. So, um, we're obviously our thoughts are with everyone and their families and, uh, I'm going to be following this closely. I'll, I will try to, we're, we're obviously doing a bit of a read pod special in the coming month and, and we'll try to get Cam to, um, join us and fill us in, in a bit of 
bit of the aviation side and what he thinks. Yeah. I've got one. I, I know you love your, your calling bullshit. And when, yeah. we're, when we're on this and we, we're talking about the LCC carriers, um, I'm kind of uh, – I'm going to call bullshit on it. Travellers that travel like they're in their fucking bedroom. Oh, I love this one. Yeah. What, what oh, do you man. think? It okay. does my head in. Okay. I've got something that's going to make me sound like a complete fuckwit, but I'm going to say it. Good. Business class, when people put on their pyjamas immediately. <laughs> even, if it's, even if it's 11 a.m. and they rush to put their pyjamas on, you're a fuckwit. I'm calling you. You are an absolute dickhead. You, why do you, you? Why would you be wearing pajamas at that time? And also, why don't you just wear something comfortable and just have a nap? Yeah, but like, why not just have a? This is what I don't see. Like, I guess the the whole thing with flying was, and this goes, this is all tied in with LCC stuff. It was, it was expensive, and it was wasn't something you you did all the time. But people dress nicely when they got on a plane. Yes. Okay. So you, so you're calling bullshit on the, um, the general public, the general public, and their sloppiness. Their sloppiness on planes. Oh, dude, I'm the sloppiest of all time. Really? Well, I'm calling bullshit on Mark Reed on his sloppiness in business class. Wow, I love that. <laughs> I love that. So, so I think you're better off wearing those pajamas. And, cl- and cleaning yourself up a bit. You like the respect, <laughs> and you like the, you're you're the opposite. See, I I am hating the people that walk on with a suit, get changed in the pajamas. I'd prefer to wear my trackies, uh, my slides, and a jumper. Yeah, like there's nothing wrong with. I just when people are actually, what I'm thinking is, if you go out in public. You're not going to wear like if you're going to the shops, oh, and you're going to see people. You're not going to wear that. So why why the fuck are you wearing it with a whole bunch of <laughs> other people at an airport with your fucking pillow around your fucking neck bef- an hour before oh, fucking flight? Like and did- it's like and people at airports and on like it look it's like they've just been to to like war or something. Like they're in their most vulnerable lowest point. It brings out the most horrible nature in people. Now, what about this? Putting your seat back on a domestic flight. Okay. So I got on my flight back from from Hong Kong to Japan, I got a tap on the shoulder for putting my seat back. What do you think on that? It was a five-hour flight, four-and-a-half-hour flight, and I was fucked. That's international. It's international. But what, what – okay. I would, have, I would have put it back further. Okay. But it was. I felt really bad, and then I felt really uncomfortable to do so, and because they they were they were. I think they were Japanese, so I didn't. It was like, oh, I can't want to be respectful to them. I was trying to like. I was saying to Sarah, "Oh, should I put it back?" And I felt really awkward about it because they'd asked me, and I said yes. And because I lo- you're essentially Japanese now. Well, because I looked them in the eyes and like we made, we, there was a bit of a contract there. There was a bit of <laughs> something there that I was like, I'd agree to terms. Okay, I won't do it for you. But okay, going um, back to domestic, putting your seat back on domestic. Mm. 
As far as I'm concerned, if seats can go back, they should be able to go back. Oh, see, I'm a no. Okay. No, no. You do not put it back on a domestic. I mean, I'm not the smallest guy, and the problem is is sometimes my um, leg, like my massive quads, will uh, – not quads. What are your – my thighs? Your thighs. Your, your thunder thighs. My thunder thighs will um, push the back button, and I won't know it's gone back a bit. But um, but I know domestic. You keep that seat forward and upright, and yeah, that's that's what you're doing. Yeah, I'm I'm asleep, and this is the other thing. I'm asleep before takeoff, snoring upright, and then I'm snoring the whole way, no matter what time the flight is, and then I land on land. I wake up on landing. Okay. That's you're you're good. I'm I'm pretty good at sleeping on on planes, but if I'm a little bit excited, there's no chance. It depends where I'm going. Like if I'm coming back from somewhere. So, but what am, what are you talking about? You're you're laying in a bed in first class. Of course, you're gonna be snoring. Oh, <laughs> and that actually brings me up something else. That brings me up to something else that drives me nuts. People that are in business and first class getting up to jump on the line and get on the plane first. I know they can, and I know you have the right to, but if you're waiting for the pl- in that line before the gate is open, like before the doors are open and they've started, you're a fuckwit. Yeah, I'm going to call line a waiting. Like why everyone just lines up anyway. Exactly. Like, And you're going to sit down on a plane for – 20 hours. I know they call you on, but the fact that you're waiting there before the planes leave, before they've announced that, just show that. And I know you're doing it to show that you're in business class. Exactly, because everyone's got to walk past you. That's the only reason people are doing that. That's the only reason why you're doing it. And you're standing there to look so people can look at you standing in the business class line. You are a fuckwit. Yeah. I'm calling bullshit on you. Yeah. Anyone that's that's using that priority system – Hey, let let the let the mothers and the children get on the plane first. Let the elderly get on the plane first. We don't need you fucking holding up, changing your pajamas as we're walking through fucking business class, <laughs> drinking your orange juice and champagne, your little mimosa. Oh, that that reminds me of something. When did I hear that before? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's um, so so we've. I think that's an interesting um, calling bullshit. Yeah, it just came because it's always one thing that really annoys me about. Yeah, and I, I, I so be, it's, a, it's a sloppiness. So it's, it's just a sloppiness, and it's just oh fuck. There was just I think there was one flight I came back from from Japan to Australia, and normally that normally that Bruce like I'll fly Tokyo to Brisbane uh, on Qantas, and it's normally a pretty. Um, like not the busiest flight because everyone's flying fucking Jetstar. Yeah. So I can get on the Qantas and I'm, you know, I've normally got a, the seat next to me. But one time I flew back and I, it must have been just a shit time and and it was. Can I just uh, say something? I yeah. just interrupt you. Always there's a siren going off when we're 20 minutes into the pod. Yeah, that, yeah, always. I, I live near an ambulance station and it's I don't really notice it that much. No, but, but it seems like it's always like 20 minutes in. Okay. 
So they must know. Okay, that's it. Uh, they must know the fire okay. engines going out and putting out the fire. Yeah, the, they they hear the the fire coming out of uh, the reed pod and they're, yeah. they're onto it. But yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's and everyone was that, and it was just like heaps of heaps of Australians dressed like fucking in their trackies, dressed in their pajamas, and they're all sick and coughing and spluttering, and it was just it was just grossness. You know what else? Let's. Man, this could be a long calling bullshit, but this is a great topic. Taking photos of yourself in business class. Oh, this is this is getting me on, and this was something that I was thinking about. So keep going with this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna come in with something a bit after. That has got to be the stupidest fucking shit. I mean, it's the same. It's it's the situation we're in, right? With private jets and business class and cars. People just flaunting their, feeling like they have to flaunt their wealth, right? Yeah. I just, I mean, I just don't, I mean, I get it if it's like, oh, cheers, we're on our way for a honeymoon and like, um, do you know, like, or cheers to traveling or like, and it's a nice photo of you in business class, whatever. But if it's like you lying down asleep, like, oh, fuck my life. <laughs> you go in business class or something. Do you know what? Yeah, I'm yeah, 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 yeah. You know those those people. Oh, I fucking hate that shit. Yeah, it, it gets me on. It gets onto that interesting topic of, I guess, for you, I can see why you take photos and stuff because you're ninety nine point nine percent of the photos you would take are of your kids and your dogs. Am I correct? Correct. So when you're traveling, like. And and this was on the last trip. We're going up to the to the peak. So that tra- on that tram, mm. and so you can't even. For everyone listening, you're in a like a little bit of a a tunnel as the tram enters, and then you then you go out. The peak in Hong Kong. Yeah, and at the bottom going up, and like you you're waiting in line, and I must have been one of seven out of a hundred people. That wasn't watching this tram come down, not through my phone. Oh, dude. Oh, fuck it. So, like, I'm pretty much her, Sarah's photographer when we go go away. Like, I, <laughs> I, I hate, I hate, my, my camera doesn't even work on my phone, which is, it doesn't matter. I don't even use it anyway. Yeah. But our people are just living through that screen. Oh, it's, I know. It's... Yeah, it, it kind of. I guess it just. I just don't understand it. Maybe because I'm I'm retarded when it comes to it, but there's just so much. You know, where's your memory come from? Mine comes from my brain, not from the from the the video that I took or from the the photo that I took. Oh, definitely, mate. But um, but everyone else is now becoming their memory is the memory is that. The video because they were looking at the video, not what they're actually seeing. Exactly. Um, yeah, look, I agree a hundred percent with what you're saying. Yeah. Um, the flying thing we could go on forever. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a good topic, and I think it's something that if we get the chance to sit down with Cam. Oh, definitely, it'd be it'd be good, and we will. I, I think that we call a blanket bullshit on people taking photos of themselves out in front of private jets, right? Yeah. Or on a private jet. 
if you do that now, you're a fuckwit. <laughs> and there's yeah. no coming back from it. There's no, you know, like, it's over for you. <clears throat> you're, you're cut off. The repod, we're, we're, uh, we've called bullshit on you. Yeah. Um, I thought you were going to call bullshit on something else re- regarding to your golf game. Yeah, well, well, it is, and this is something else that kind of comes up. So I played golf with um, I actually played it at a sick course yesterday. So I played with a a doctor that I know invites me where, out. Whereabouts? Um, so about an hour away from where I am, so a little bit in the countryside. So one of the one of the older courses. Like, think of what we played. Um, near Fuji, and a little bit better than that. Lovely. So, sixty sixty year old doctor and his 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 brother that doesn't speak any English is like seventy eight. Um, so have the caddy, all the thing. But I was going to call bullshit on on uh, on Titleist on and their golf balls because. For me, I can't go and use another golf ball now. Like because they're such a good golf ball, it's it's hard to go back. It's like when you when you get the taste of something good, you can't go and use an inf- inferior inferior product. Mm. So, but the cost of them is fucking bullshit. So when I hit one in the water, it's like just throwing five bucks in the water. Jeez, yeah. So you know you're sixty dollars for it for twelve. And I, I probably went through six golf balls yesterday. So I'm calling oh. bullshit on that. And then I know that I, I don't have the willpower not to not to buy them again. So, yeah, that's what I was going to. But I'm I'm going to go less into that. I could have ranted for a while and about some other stuff, but I like the – I think I'm, you could all, also uh, call bullshit on Titleist the name. Yeah. So what, why would you call elitist, Titleist? Is that what it's? What does it mean, and why is it called that? And how do they expect people to say it? Um, I don't know. I, th- I know it's Titleist, but I I don't know the actual history behind the name. I just used to always think it was like an elitist thing um, yeah. because it kind of comes back. And um, I do like what those guys at um, uh, the guys at Golf Gods. Have you seen those? And they've just pretty much blatantly ripped off and just done titties. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it's exactly the same. Just titties instead. So they're... Not, not sexist at all. No. Oh, you should say super sexist, everything that they do. Not the golf's a sexist sport or anything either. No, exactly. Or or elitist. Shout out to our lady listeners. Yeah. We love you. Thanks for listening. Yeah. But yeah, it was good fun yesterday. So they... Fully just ho- fully look after me. They just pay for it. Invite me next time. That's pretty pretty, nice, pretty pretty lucky. Living the dream, living the golfing dream. Yeah, but I wish I was surfing more, and that kind of gets us into to the back end of this pod. And we'll kind of after speaking about Stuart and kind of one one thing we both we both bodyboarded on the Gold Coast, but we didn't really know each other at that stage of our lives. No, because I grew up on the south end sort of surfing D-bar, and which is Duran Bar and all of that, and you were more of a South Stratty rat, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, so we're complete opposite. We probably would have 
we probably would have been in like surfed together at some points and had no idea. I guess you being a bit older, yeah. Um, just yeah, just we just we're probably in the water together, but ne- didn't know each other at that, at that stage in our lives. Yeah. So for for the listeners, bodyboarding as a sport, I feel like, and I was thinking about this before. So those that aren't that familiar with bodyboarding. It's sort of considered a taboo form of water sport at times, would you say? Yeah, there's a stigma attached to it that is that that I guess that surfing mentality, it's um yeah. Well, why don't you just stand up, that kind of thing. And and we both ride surfboards now. I still ride a bodyboard. I I did a sick trip with my brother this year to the Cook Islands. I can't yep. do I can't do anything. I can just get brad. I'm too old and too fat now to to actually do anything. But I still enjoy it. I think still think it has its functionality in certain ways. Yeah, I mean the the stigma when you hear stigma from a surfer um, about bodyboarding, I always think that they must be. Uh, I can't think of a better word than they must be a kook. Yeah. Um, or they must be from bloody, you know, inland and they come out and surf or they're weekend warriors <clears> or they're gy- gym junkie surfers. Yeah. Because anyone that understands bodyboarding knows that really to understand the ocean and understand catching waves, bodyboarding is essential to that. So, like, if you go straight to surfing on a stand-up surfboard, that's fine but you'll have no idea about the ocean and how waves break and the different sort of styles and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you definitely, by by riding a bodyboard, you definitely have that un- way more understanding because you're, I guess you're closer. You're in different positions in the wave. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's definitely, and yeah, yeah, you're spot on with that. It's people that, that don't know, um, like you just need to watch some of we'll have a look at the waves that the the bodyboarders have found they've found pretty much all the the big waves that have come out in WA in the last few last 10 years and they surf all the heavy waves but there's just no um there's no the market for it's just completely gone like i think when we were so when I we were young get, i want to get to that i want to get to that can we go back though yeah, go back to the the so-called yeah. glory years. Yeah, let's go back to the glory years first because you're that subject we'll get to and I want to dive in because I think you understand why the market has gone more than me because when I was 18 or whatever, I stopped bodyboarding essentially. Yeah. So And I stopped following it. But um, like in the 80s and the 90s, I feel like they were the glory years of the bodyboarding with Mike Stewart, um, like Ben Severson, was it? Yeah. Um, Epo was the Australian, uh, Michael Eppelson, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And guys like, guys like that, but it was really led by the Hawaiians. Yeah, so I it was like. – Yeah, it was – For the 80s and early 90s? Yeah, there was some the, – the Aussie guys were sick. And you had, I guess the, a lot of it was probably more Sydney. Yeah. So you had the Cronulla guys. That's just that's a sick one for anyone that uh, wants to watch a, 
a booging documentary. I can't remember what it's called. It's the the Shark Island guys. You know how they're all kind of really rowdy? Yeah, like Wingnuts. And- yeah, Ballard and Ballard Nugget and, and Percy. Yeah. Um, they did – what was it called? Because they're, they're called the Skid Kids, but I can't remember what the – they did a documentary in the last um, last few years. Yeah. Um, it was really good. Like I – it kind of got me – Wanting got me amped again. I was like, "Oh yeah, got a bodyboard." Then I went and probably burg, and it was two foot and shit. So it's called Ooh. holding, holding on. Okay. So holding I'd, I'd, I'd recommend having a watch for anyone that burg when they were younger and they they remembered watching those Shark Island videos and stuff like that. Yeah, it's um, definitely a good watch. So in the mid, yeah. So and that sort of brings me to the other part of it. In the mid nineties. Like, booging vids were crazy and they were good, but a lot of the footage was that Hawaiian stuff and, like, shout out, they also remember Chris Wan and things like that on the yep. stand-up. People think Finless is cool right now. It's crazy that that guy was doing it before anyone was even thinking of yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I think, if, I think if you go further back than that, there was... Who's the De- other guy? Danny Dan- Kim. Danny Kim. Kim. Yes. So all of that Hawaiian vibe was huge and then all of a sudden in the mid 90s there was um the california movement so the early to mid 90s and the thing that really hooked me on bodyboarding was i think early 90s was a video uh, which we've discussed before called the inside yeah with possibly one of my favorite surf bodyboarding movies of all time and one of the best soundtracks ever so, and this is this is something else that I think more so, and, and maybe this is growing up watching Bergen vids, but the the music compared with surfing videos, I think oh, bodyboarding right. videos, I think they were a lot. The music was a lot better. Maybe bodyboarders have a better uh, better understanding of music. Well, in that era, no question. Yeah. The music and the content of the, the videos and all of that, Booging Vids were smashing it. Like, I know momentum was big and all of that, but it was nothing compared to... So, obviously, Inside led into body body movies like No Friends and all yeah. of that, which that was taking the world by storm. Yeah, so that, so was, that, that was late 90s. Yeah. When, so when the, No Friends won. Yeah, okay. So... But if anyone, going back to the inside, so the inside was a bodyboarding movie and I remember it was one of the first movies that shot the barrel yeah. from inside the barrel. So was it, who, who made that? Was it Scotty Carter? I'm not sure, but had, get... one of, had one of my favourite bodyboarders of all time on it, Chad Barber. Ah. Do you remember him? Yeah, I think he's honestly – I. Th- I think he still hangs around, um, around like he's around Cali and that, and he's just like a full-on myth, lives in his car and like just soul well, man still. Well, best barrel riding style and those cutbacks he used to do with the two hands, sort yeah. of the ben, better than Ben Severson, sort of like you, – you, it's hard to make a two-handed – cutback where they hold the front of the board it's hard to make that look cool yeah 
but he made it look cool. He had crazy stuff and the, just the waves that he was doing Mexico trips and all of that sort of stuff. So yeah, the inside, check that out. Even if you're not into bodyboarding that it's got on the, tra- on the, um, the music on it has, um, Slayer. I remember it's also got Beastie Boys, sh- um, Shake Your Rump is on it. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So yeah, Scott Carter. Scott he'd be he'd be an interesting Carter. interesting guy to speak to one day, wouldn't he? Yeah, he would. Yeah. So and then that kind of moves us in, and then you kind of had these. I think that especially. So when you started, I would have been a little bit after you because you're you're far older than I am. Um, no, just kidding. Um, but that. In Australia at that time, it was everyone was bodyboarding. Yeah. I, I I I remember being at school and there were more people bodyboarding than there were surfing. Yeah. So when we went for school school surfing, everyone was booging. And then it's just no friends. I remember going to the premieres, you would have done the same. Yeah, definitely. I went to the no friends premieres, hung out. I remember getting loose. Um, with some of them, and back in the day, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember getting really drunk when I was young, and I remember spewing in one cinema with a <laughs> with another friend, and it could have been could have been on people in front of us. Um, yeah. So yeah, they were they were really wild, and that that kind of went in from the no friends, and I remember them. They'd come out and do the tours, and then. Then the next one to come on was Tension and Tension just kind of – at that stage, everyone was everyone was looking into bodyboarding because that kind of crossed. So it moved away from bodyboarding as well. So Tension's a weird one for me because, yes, I was into it, but I was like 18, 19, I think, when Tension started coming out. Yeah. I was definitely more into the Californian bodyboarders like Ross McBride and the style of the Californian guys. Okay. Um, and tension didn't really – like I liked it, but that was towards the end of my love affair and I was becoming a hipster longboarder at that stage. Okay. Sort of a fat man's Alex Noss. Okay, but you were you were nice and skinny at that stage. So. I was at that stage. <laughs> at that stage, yeah. you long blonde hair, skinny. Yes, true. Jeez, Jeez. what happened? Exactly. But um, yeah. So like, I don't know. Tension with all the drop rolls and all that. Like I was, I I found it. So tension was a how many tension videos were there? Oh, I think they did ten plus a couple of like vacation and a couple of like maybe one or two extras. Okay. But, but for me it was okay. You had that and it was funny when it came out, it was that whole CKY Mm. influence stuff, but it was the, was it before CKY? No, it wasn't. They were were pretty much influenced from that. And, but the, the bodyboarding from that was because you had at the same time, you had, your no friends, you had your, your attention. So it was, yeah. when, it was when Australian bodyboarding was taking over. Hardy was okay. This guy's the the best thing. It was 
when I, think, I remember the intention one Mitchell Rollins's section, and it's when he's just starting to to come on the scene. So it's kind of that. I used to do ma- comps. I used to do comps against him and just win, win all the time. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But I did do comps, so he was probably in the same time when I was finishing up. I think. Okay. Um and. He was getting big, but there was something with bodyboarding around that time where I feel like bodyboarding had a stranglehold on surfing in a way where bodyboarding to me has always been like, uh, it always was like I was into punk and it was, it was surfers were the, the stuck up preppy jockey. Yeah, I'm I'm completely so I'm completely with you on this and this is the and and something happened where bodyboarding stopped being that punky and it just got lost a little and, bit. And this is a really good take on it because now that I and, and this is kind of when I fell out of it, it kind of went into this uh into this hardcore phase. So it almost got because it was alternative, it was something okay I, I'm I'm kind of going against the grain with uh, with how I'm thinking what I what I should do, going surfing like riding a stand up, doing something different. I'm listening to a little bit. Um, I'm listening to punk. I'm having fun, but then it kind of went, kept going, and then it went into this like really like like really hardcore punk, and then into like hardcore and stuff, and then yeah. it's almost like it, into the into the straight edge kind of thing and it kind of went too far. Yeah. So, yeah, it was so always, what, yeah. What, what sort of happened? Because like even with D-Bar, right, uh, Duran Bar, anyone that knows um, bodyboarding and um, sort of the history of the Gold Coast, I guess, Duran Bar was most predominantly a bodyboarding wave, even though guys like Mick Fanning and – Parker and all them used to surf there. It used to just be really a bodyboarding wave. And then South Stratty um, was was a lot too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the same thing. There was always heaps of people. If I go back and and this is the – I don't know anyone. Like I, that's, I guess that's why I'd, I don't boog anymore. Like if, I, if I'm home, if it's good, I'll go with Evan. But um, it just doesn't interest me as much because I like – the social aspect of it as well. When we were young, there was always groups of us and you'd know everyone. Mm. So, and there was heaps of people. So you could kind of get your own few peaks. So the bodyboarders would have a few peaks down past pipe, the surfers would kind of surf pipe and then, and then the local surfers would be mixed in with the boogers, but all the kind of kooky surfers would kind of surf like pipe and going back to kiddies. Yeah, and I just think surfing had gone to that point where those boards, the only boards that they were riding were super thin, shitty thrusters. All they were doing were just ter- top turns and trying to do competition style. There was no – surfing, in a way, had lost its culture. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, and, and bodyboarding brought this new culture in at that point in time. Exactly, like it was this youth, it was the – the, especially with the no friends stuff, I feel like the no friends and the so the no friends came off all that, um, those uh, inside videos, yeah, 
Enough Said, I think one of them was. Yeah, Enough. yeah, Enough Said. And then, did you ever watch Four Monkeys or was it yeah. Four Monkeys? Yeah, I remember watching that. And then there was another one that I really liked and it was, um, did you ever watch Welfare? Yes. And there was, yes. and th- this is, and uh, it, it's funny. So Welfare, and it had actually, so the, had a really good Philippine section where they went to Cloud Nine and this is like, like really early and it must have been like early 2000s, maybe 99. And it was, it was G-Love, the song, but it always, uh, from that, mate, from watching that, I was like, I've got to go to this place. And I was, I think it was Skipper and a few other, maybe a few Hawaiians, a few Americans. Um, but yeah, I was like my, my favorite burger still to this day is Skipper because it's just, Style wow, master. that's that's interesting. Yeah, I'll tell you who deserves an honourable mention, which we haven't, is um Paul Roach on the knee. Hundred percent. I was I've actually been thinking about Roach quite a bit lately, um, and how much he just he he surfed better drop me than so many surfers. So much. So anyone that wants to look at like bodyboarding, which is another part of bodyboarding drop knee, um, Google Paul Roach. He's like, do you remember the tail slides? He used to do these tail slides into closeouts. Yeah. And it was just the craziest looking thing. And his turns, his like power cutties and all that, they were incredible. Like so he, his, yeah, he was his... a powerful drop knee, which anyone that's tried to drop knee, being powerful is extremely hard. You got no fins on the board. Obviously. Holding a line is extremely hard. It's ex- exactly. So, like all this finless trend with like Derek Kind right now and all the hipsters riding finless boards, fucking, it's basically drop knee. Exactly. And like, it's essentially drop knee. And for all those, uh, for the surfers that are going, oh, you know, we, you know, surfers are fin wafting and, and doing like kind of blowing the tail and all that, you can oh. thank you can thank one person. The influence was Roach. Yeah. So he pretty much he pretty much showed a lot of those, uh, I guess, American surfers how to surf. Well, I mean, you look at that momentum generation. I know that they've got their new movie coming out, and um, I know they're doing that. Have you seen that? Yeah, uh, I've seen I've seen the doco that's coming out. Okay, so you go Ron Machado, Kelly Slater, and then the rest of them, like Kalani Robin and all that. I'll tell you, they don't mean shit to me. Nah. And I know that sounds fucking horrible, but I can't say that. I mean, I think Taylor Knox is in it. And, yes, he was great. And um, Shane Dorian, yeah, really cool. Like, But honestly... Who who fucking really frothed on them? No. I, I just don't think they were wearing those long shorts. They just style was shit. The, yeah, the style like they they surf sick, but they they all surfed the same at that stage. All surfed exactly the same, and that's exactly. where and other that's, than Machado. And that's where bodyboarders yes, would had power. But. Bodyboarders were dressing cool. They had style, like in and out of the water. Yeah, and they didn't give a fuck. Exactly. But now, yeah, but it's so lost on me now, bodyboarding. I think bodyboarding is, it's almost gone offshore from Australia. So in Australia, it's not, it's not called bodyboard anymore, but you'll go 
to South America. You go to Europe, like it's massive in Europe now. Okay. Um, because they're finding the, I guess it's in Australia, bodyboarding's still there in the pockets and go to any slab reef and bodyboard is the one that are dominating it. But just in your general beachy, and this is one thing that really frustrates me. Like I still follow on Instagram and stuff some certain bodyboarding um, pages, and they've had trouble with the the world tour on and off. They're really struggling to find their foothold yeah, in the market. Yeah. But they don't they don't do themselves any favors when they put the shittest fucking like you're trying to market your product and you go and put someone that has fucking terrible style is just flopping about. No one wants to watch, let's be honest, no one wants to watch competition bodyboarding unless it's, unless it's over six foot and there's ramps and well, bowls and no one wants to watch it otherwise because it's fucking boring. And well, that's, the- what I, that's what I got to, mate. Like, so people were doing air reverses and um, crazy flips back in, the 90s right yeah and then i watch it now and i don't see a shitload of progression no and not that you're always looking for progression because like to be honest the best surfing i like is not progressive it's probably like you know getting better lines and power surfing and that kind of stuff yeah yeah like surfing in the right way so yeah but i don't see much changing in in bodyboarding which and and that's that's the its own fault because it has changed. Like you can still go and watch you'll watch a video and I'll see some some footage and it's gone to the more to the big waves and to the slabs and, and that kind of stuff. And it's ridiculous. But then what the public is seeing is they're just shit comp waves because they're trying to push a tour that's that not even the best people are competing in. That's what, that's what you're really not, you're not marketing yourself and it's, it's a sad situation, but they're doing it fucking terribly. If you, from my perspective, mm. you, you want to be seeing the best part of the product and it's not comp surfing. you go, you want to go and see, um, people down surfing in South Australia, surfing six to eight foot, like full on heavy barrels into bowls, show that and people go, Oh fuck, this is this is nuts. Like, I think I've showed you some of that footage before. Some yeah. People. I mean, I just wonder whether, you know, it, it benefited so much from a cult, from the culture it was. Back yeah. Then, right. So you look at that inside stuff. They were like not making much money. Um, they were creating an artistic product that really resonated with a lot of people. Um, I just think, and now surfing, I mean, but with surfing, like who, who would release a surfing movie now that's really making people run out to go and get it? Probably John John, I guess. Yeah. Um, but no one wants to like, would anyone watch a 30 minute Parco movie? No. Would you watch a third? Oh, depending on where Gabby is, but. I don't know if I'd watch a 30-minute Gabby movie. No, I don't think I'd watch a 30-minute anything movie on any of those unless, guys. Unless it was John John and I'd watch I'd watch Dane. 
I'd watch Dane definitely. Yeah. But once again with Dane, it's about a culture, a style. It's the same with Craig Anderson. I'd watch Craig Anderson. Yeah. Um, so this is where, you know, how we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that surfing's got to be worried. They've got to be careful with how they position the sport. Yeah. There's no reason why surfing won't become bodyboarding from a viewing standpoint. Yeah, and I and and this is the other thing, I think, and why bodyboarding's doing so badly. They're actually following. They're trying to create something similar to what surfing is. When they need to go out and and get their own identity again, they can't follow how WSL is doing it. It's almost like they're trying to use the same model, and it's just yeah. not working. And going, we always kind of call bullshit on WSL. And I think it's fucking justified and justifiably so that they will try to, there was something, I was something on their Instagram the other day and it was Lewis Hamilton in a, with a surfboard and it was his birthday and they're like, oh, happy birthday, Lewis Hamilton. He doesn't give a fuck. Like, they're, they're trying to kiss us and they're trying to be well, they want us to and be follow. The, they yeah. want it to be the NBA. And it's not going to be. It needs to no. be completely I'll tell, different. I'll tell you, unless it, unless they get a character in the sport, like, say, a tiger, like, say, a, um, like, say... Someone who transcends the sport from a um, from a character standpoint, I, I just don't see it growing. I yeah. don't see it, I don't see it getting to the next level. Yeah, because you've been so lucky, I guess, with Kelly for so long, mm. and then Andy for that for that point in time. But to to get someone like that that's got both the talent and then something something different about them. They're not cut from the same cloth as all these yep. other guys. Let's uh, let's hope that the, I, I guess, our uh, who our biggest uh, or our favourite surfer is old Big Wade. Hopefully, he can cut a a path oh. with his beard. Shout out to Big Wade. Uh, I saw you at Bunnings the other day. Oh no! You should have got him. You should, yeah, you should have got him on, on the uh, on the pod for an interview. Yeah, I should have. I was going to hit him up, but he looked like he was with um, his partner or, or someone. Yeah. And um, I'll tell you, though, one thing I noticed immediately is the beard is quite short. Like, it's been trimmed. Oh. And I was going to say to him, I was going to say, Wade, come on. Look, you need to keep the power. Yeah. The power of the beard. Uh, so I was a bit worried about that for him because I thought going into pipe, you need that thing bushy as. Oh, no, just in case you touch the reef, you got a bit of padding. This is old Wade Carmichael. Yeah, uh, we're talking about one of the reed pod favourites. What's what's the what's the biblical one? You cut your hair, you lose your power. Yeah, sure. What? No. What's the the name of the person in the Bible? Oh, I've had, I've had a mind blank. I've got no idea. Oh, there's something. Someone will tell us and say we're retards because we can't remember it because it's pretty yeah. much common knowledge. Uh, add it in the comments. So. Yeah, add it in the comments. Um, but, yeah, kind of going back to the to where with the bodyboarding and stuff, it's just 
it's sad to see it go go down this path because it it has such a um, there's such appeal to it if you're doing it in the right waves in the right it's suited for a certain type of waves like su- surfing suited to surfing a nice point break and and whatnot um, but it just needs to be marketed right and it, I don't think it's done anywhere the industry there's no money in the industry uh, it's I guess it's in a, it's probably at its lowest of lows in in my opinion but I'm not really too far into it anymore yeah. I'm just I'm looking in from the outside and kind of maybe maybe reminiscing about it's I guess it's like anyone kind of things when you're in it you always thought it was oh it must that was when it was at its best time but you know you go back the generation before it was probably in a better time and then oh, the, I, I feel like we're right though I feel like those 80s 90s for bodyboarding um with the bodyboarding um, point and why we're still on, who would you say was your – so Spencer Skipper was your favourite. I'll tell you yeah. who my favourite from a style point was, was Fred Booth. Oh, uh, yes. That's a good That's a good call there. Great on the knee and great on uh, prone. Great yeah. Booger. There's that – I think it was a riptide where he did that, that big loop, backflip, was the cover. Yeah. He, he just had a smooth – looking style and he has that something to him that just appeals. Yeah. Now the Hawaiians, I'm sorry to say, but they've their style has gone the other way. Oh really? Yeah, because you had these really like really smooth guys. Now it's yeah, I don't want to mention any names, but yeah, there's some some terrible, terrible styles going around. In Please all- don't rip on Hawaiians. Body no. styles. Yeah. I want to live. Yeah, exactly. But it's there's there's still some good ones. There's I think there's one kid now, I think he's Hawaiian, so that Stuart's taken under his wing. Okay. And, uh Tanner McDaniel and he rips. Okay. Um there's some good footage of him at that Waco pool. Ah. Wave pool. Which is actually one you would actually watch that and it makes people go, Okay, bodyboarding's sick because it's more like like, okay, doing something decent. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I think that's <laughs> – and it's the same – maybe it's the same with surfing, but surfing when I kind of – bodyboarding with Brazilians has always been like, oh, terrible styles. And if that if they're influenced a lot and it's getting in there and that – especially it's a broad, in the, It's a broad generalisation. Oh, 100%. Sorry, sorry to our Brazilian listeners. I'm sure you've got great style in and out of the water, especially on the Gold Coast surfing, your attitudes. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> we've got angry Bennett here throwing shade at the whole of Brazil. Yeah. I love I love our Brazilians um, personally, so send me some love. Yeah, send Mark uh, some love. Mark, Mark wants the love this morning. Yeah, but I uh, – the Brazilian thing, I mean, I don't want to get into too much mm. here because it'll be a rabbit hole, a rabbit warren or whatever. But, um, like, I think that's over-exaggerated, that Brazilian style and claiming stuff. I feel like the Australians are just as bad. Oh. I would prefer to see Brazilians than the gym junkie Australian surfers that come down after doing a session in the gym and surf on their five-foot-nine shortboard 
and try to do shitty turns when it's two foot at snapper. That's true. I, I would agree. And that's the... Dude, give me all of Brazil every yeah. day of the week. And that's um, that's the and that's who who surfing's being marketed to now. Oh, it is. It's it's the people go out there and train, and it's fucking yeah. It's it's no <laughs> good, but but uh, yeah, Brazil, I love you. Hit me up, um, especially the Brazilian surf coach who dropped in on our mate Scott Weber, good friend of the pod. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you remember that one? I do remember that one. The video. And, and oh, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to be dropping in on Scotty because Scotty no. Scotty would fucking throttle you. I don't know if we can add that video somehow to the pod. Oh, let's see if one we of, can find it. Yeah, one of our close friends of the show was getting the barrel. What would it have been the barrel of my life? And this guy's dropped in on him and then claimed the guy it? dropped dropped in on him, claimed it, reposted the video on Instagram. Which, given Brazil slash Australian surf relations at the moment on the Gold Coast, is not the smartest thing to do. So yeah, that that was a good one. Uh, but I'm all for mediation with that. I think we need to move on from that sort of shit. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Scotty. How are you, buddy? Yeah, yeah. Um, so this sort of leads me into all of this bodybuilding talk. We're sort of wrapping it up. I feel like we haven't done it justice, um, but. I wanted to do a bodyboarding pod because I love the sport and I love what it gave me as a teenager. And I feel like lots of people can relate to it being a really integral part of their life. Yeah. And I think that's why we were kind of talking about why we, why we talk, talk bodyboarding, not so much that it's like we're doing it now. Cause both of us, I still have a bodyboard in my, in my house. Um, but for that, for those formative years, it yeah. was that. That's what you were doing, having and fun. In, yeah, and it's integral to being a surfer, uh, to knowing uh, surfing. Those that go straight to surfboards without touching a bodyboard, you can tell. I don't care who you are. I don't. I don't give a shit. Those who just pick up a surfboard and have never bodyboarded, you can tell. Um. And this is another another thing with that, and this is why you always kind of know if you have a look at the the majority of the best water photographers and the best um, mm. yeah best water photographers, they're all bodyboarders. Yeah, have a, have a look at uh, so Tim Jones was always a you you'd remember him from Riptides. He was a yeah. famous, um, but then now do you remember? So little Todd, and he was so I think Todd Glazier. So he was yeah. one of those no friends, like the little prodigy out of that. He's now Slater's. Um, exactly, he's Slater's. Got, Todd. He's doing massive things. Yeah. So good. Yeah, un- so, it's just that understanding, isn't it, of the ocean? Understanding of the ocean and how the waves break. And I think this is probably a good segue into the body surfing two movie. Yeah, you enjoyed it. I loved it. Have you watched it though? Yeah, I have watched it. Okay, so um, cause because uh, if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the sequel to Body Surfing Number Two. Um, so because they're sort of like obviously all your mates, are they all bodyboarding background or? Yeah, so it's, I guess it's my brother, and then his his group of mates that I that I've known. So it's yeah. <clears throat> all 
bodyboarding and it was all that, all the same people growing up from Strati and when we were younger and kind of going off that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, and the, how good's the footage? The footage is incredible and the music to go with it is insane. So I don't know when it's going to be released, but anyone that's <laughs> wanting to go out and watch like a surf related movie and because obviously we're talking, we were saying before, like surf movies aren't jumping at it these days. This is the perfect one to go see. Yeah. So you need to go, I think on the Instagram, I think it's just body surfing without a G. Yeah. Without a G. Number two. Number two. But, but have a look on it and find that on Instagram. But I think, so I'm sure it's, so do you know how Jim used to play in the band Elk? Yes. So it's remember Zach out of Elk. So he's uh, he's in I, it. I'm sure I do. So he's like, he's doing the music. You would have remembered. Well, I was speaking to Jimmy. Uh, so we're talking about Jim Turner, who sings on a lot of it, um, because it's it's basically one guy who does the whole soundtrack. Yeah, it. yeah. Which if you listen, if you go and watch this um, uh, movie, you'll see that like the footage and everything put together is incredible, but the soundtrack to go with it is fucking nuts. There's one of my favourite songs on it is fucking freezing. <laughs> do you remember that one? Yeah, I haven't watched it for a while. I'm gonna watch it. Oh, dude, I fucking just... freezing is a killer song. So, um, it's it's an incredible movie and it's an incredible idea, and it made me think like, I think surfing needs a parody. Competition surfing needs a parody mm. done on it. I think like, you're right. Of a guy who like trains his ass off, ties his jersey up like fanning and, you know, like takes it super seriously but is actually really shit, um, you know, slugging it out on the QS or something to be, you know, he's got all these stickers on his board but he's just complete. I don't know. I was, it made me think. Yeah. But it's. I don't know if you could do that because it, I don't know how it would be if you could perceive it that well for a surfing one, I don't know how to come across. Yeah. But- Cause I guess with the body surfing movie is it's a fine line. Like because some of the waves that they're getting are absolute slaps. Yeah. And that they've done it in a way that it's so like, you're almost like, are they fucking serious? Or yeah. like if, if you didn't know who they were and you didn't, you really didn't know. And you're just putting this in front of someone. It's done. It's done so well that you're thinking, yeah. Oh, it's mostly like at some of the waves. I'm thinking, yes, I'd be sweet. Like I'd body surf that, and then it gets to a section, and I'm like, holy shit, that's heavy. Like that's proper, proper size. So they went to the Evan was. I was talking to um, my brother about it, and so they went to the San Diego Film Festival for, yeah. for the for the first one, and they yeah. won they won the festival, but there was a. I think there was a bit of a bit of hate coming from the like the hardcore body surfers from the wedge and stuff. I've heard that, <laughs> and that they just didn't like just the obviously with the American accents and that just taking the piss completely out of it. Yeah, which have you seen Mike Schultz in a new? There's a new body surfing movie coming out. We the body surfers. Or yeah, I, I sent you the the footage of that him at Tahiti, huh? That's crazy. Dude, that's I mean, fucking nuts. 
But if you can't, like, you've got to have a bit of fun. I, I just think you can't take yourself that seriously, can you? No, I love it. And how fun is body surfing? It's so fun. It made me want to get in the water. And that's when you know something's good, when it makes you want to get in the water and, like, go do it. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see you out at Froggy's. Oh, and that's what I was thinking as well. <laughs> it's an ode to my favorite booging spot, Froggy's. That's actually... <laughs> That's what that's what basically got me thinking about doing this bodyboarding um, podcast is there's a spot between D-Bar and Snapper and it's called Froggies and it's used to be a notorious um, booging spot. There was guys like Crawley, Matt Lackey, um, all the local D-Bar sort of like decent boogers would go there and hit up Froggies and it was fucking unbelievable. And this is where most of um, the movies are. So, and that's when there was back then. There was heaps of sand there. Hey, mate, not much. Yeah, not much. Nah, dude. No. Like you were getting washed up on the rocks all the time. Yeah. And they used to have the biggest backwash because um, it's right on the rocks. It's not. Like, it's it's literally fifteen meters. Would you say? Yeah, I, I've, I think I've surfed froggies like maybe a handful of times. Yeah, okay, so I probably breaks 10 metres, 10 to 15 metres off a rock wall. And, um, yes, I, yeah, I, yeah, I used to surf it all the time. It was great fun. Yeah, so that, that's the difference. And we, we said this at the start, the, the Stratty D-Bar thing. I used to hate D-Bar. I, yeah. I, I still think it's the shittest wave. Oh, because so much different now. Yeah, but you know, going from from that that mentality that, and that was the good thing. There was a really healthy rivalry back in those days of Stratty Diva. Yeah, definitely. Where where everyone's just trying to fucking circle jerk each other now. Well, what happened was, <laughs> I think the. Um, the the sand pumping started mm. and it impacted D-Bar massively. Like, D-Bar's nothing compared to what it was as far as, like, the heavy peaks. And I know what Stratty's like, and I definitely haven't had as many, like, I haven't had the sessions I've had at Stratty that I had at um, D-Bar. Yeah. Um, D-Bar used to do that same thing. Like, it used to be just sort of similar to Stratty for sort of heaviness. The only problem is, is, you just can't escape the crowd at D-Bar, whereas yeah. Stratty, you can just keep going north and escape it. Yeah, you can head down the beach. But I don't think Stratty is as good as it used to be. Like, I I just remember, and and I've always, I've, I wanted to talk to you about this on a podcast. So when we were younger and the, the, the idea of when, of going surfing, there was no checking charts. I think I've mentioned this to mm. you, to you in the past. So you'd go, but you'd seem to go every weekend and there was waves. I know. And I, mate, what about waking up in the morning before school at like 4am and riding on your bike? I used to ride like how many, 10k or something. I'd ride from fucking Ashmore, dude. (laughs) Exactly. And you'd just get down there and it'd be good. But do you know why it was good? Oh, so this is. Because the wind wasn't up. If you yeah. get up early enough, <laughs> this is one thing we start to forget as you get older. If you get up early enough still, the it's wind's not up. Yeah. yeah, like the wind's not up. No, but I just re- I just remember like even if I went and surfed out the front, the banks were good. 
I just remember it being the yeah, maybe it's persp- like now becoming picky because I was so stratty so much when I was younger. I've become so picky if I bodyboard. So it's really hard for me to get motivated. Mm. And that, I guess that's what happens as well. But when you're just running on like the half a foot sliders on your oh. longboard and without your leggy, just single fin, just it's chopping, style. chopping people down. You don't need any waves and you're just cool. Yeah. Well, I've, I'd much rather, and and that's how now we're, for me, if I have the choice, two foot, one to two foot sliders on the mouth, maybe because I can't surf anything else. Yeah, <laughs> but, no, definitely. But I that's can... that's how what I like to, I get more enjoy, enjoyment out of that now. And I think that's because a few of us like surfing, surfing the mouth. So it's, it's, it's pretty lucky if you can still go and surf with a few of your mates. What we should do is a pod top five water people style. Yeah. So whether they're boogers, uh, short borders, or long borders, just top five. Yeah. We, we might need a panel on this one. Oh, we need a panel. We're, we're, we've got some big things in the works, as you know. And once we do our, we're going to be doing a, like, start doing uh, You, Me, and Siren as like a recurring show. Yeah. Um, more. And that's going to start in about a month, uh, which is super exciting. But before then, we're just going to keep doing it as is uh, because I don't know how to edit sound. And I oh, do. We tried to have a three-way phone call this morning. We couldn't <laughs> even work that out. I know. So, yeah, look, we're useless, but we're getting there. We're, we've got some very fun times ahead with the pod. Um. If we've missed any names on the bodyboarding topic, hit us up in the comments. Oh, we, we could have gone so much deeper. We could do one just on California Dropnik. Exactly. You know, so we, we, we could go super deep on it, but I think we kind of – we just hit us, hit us up in the comments on Insta or wherever and um, add some names. Obviously, the Australians we haven't even touched on, like the players. The, yeah. Um, we only we only named a few people there. We could there's just completely different. But we we didn't really want to touch too much on going deep into it, but just about our kind of how we were influenced by it. Yeah, was, and our love for it. Yeah. So one thing as well for the for the listeners, uh, if they want to call bullshit on anything and they want us to call bullshit for them, yeah. please 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 do that. But you can't bull- call bullshit on us. That's the only rule. Yeah. <laughs> you you, you, you can like you can it. if you want. Yeah, and uh, yeah, because uh, we've got a good calling bullshit coming up uh, on the pod with Siren shortly too. So I think that's wrapping it up, mate. Yep. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Please subscribe to us. Tell your friends. Uh, we love our listeners, don't we? We certainly do. And uh, the pod is, as we said, it's changing. It's crazy. This pod is becoming, it's becoming something. Mm, we're having fun doing it. Yeah, so subscribe and thanks for listening. Catch up. See you guys. All right.